Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. In this message from Pastor Matt Smith, we are challenged to prepare or consecrate ourselves for the next season in the life of Vintage Church. Throughout the Bible, God called His people to consecrate themselves in preparation for what He was about to do. In that same way, we need to be ready for God's Spirit to move. If today is your first Sunday with us, we are so glad that you're here. Um, as Jasmine mentioned earlier, we, we know that you could be anywhere that, that uh, you wanted to be in a lot of ways today. And the fact that you carved out time out of your busy life to come and worship with us, our prayer is that God moves in you and changes you. Like, like it doesn't matter if you walk out of this building remembering my name or my face or a single song that we did, but our hope is that every time we gather, you walk out of here feeling like you met with God and that God did something in your life that you needed him to do so that you can be who he created you to be. Amen. Thank you. Um, now, if you're going to clap, clap. Let's don't kind of halfway clap. Come on. Um, uh, it, to, today is, is a unique Sunday. Uh, next week, we're going to start a new series uh, on relationships, and we're just going to talk about what Scripture says about how to have the kind of relationships that God has designed us to have because you were built for community. And relationships are super easy, aren't they? No, they are really difficult. And so we're just going to dive into the Word. But today... I just wanted to pause and just, um, can I just talk to you from my heart for the next about 30 minutes or so? Is that cool with everybody? Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, uh, it's a weird season, man. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Today is actually 10 years ago this Sunday, Vintage Church had its very first Sunday morning worship gathering. Our church had not even officially launched yet. Um, we, there was just a group of us that God had put something on our hearts, and we wanted to inspire people to live and love like Jesus, and we just started meeting on Sunday mornings and gathering together. We didn't officially launch until February of 2009, but the Sunday after Labor Day in 2008 was the very first time we gathered together as a church. Um, and we, you could have put our whole church, like I think, on this front row right here at that time. And it's just amazing to watch what, God, I mean, God has done so many really cool things over 10 years. I mean, like, uh, I'm sitting, I'm standing up here as I'm about ready to preach, and I catch my son. I can see my son on the second to the last row. And we have a picture of our first Sunday, and my mom is holding him in the back because he, had, he was like maybe two months old. And now he's like almost six feet tall and wears a size 10 shoe, and he's 10 years old. If you want to donate toward the Smith Family Grocery Fund, <laughs> you can do that at any point. Even like, to, even like some, Christian Hahn, our worship pastor, he hasn't been here the last two weeks because he just had another baby girl this week. So, I mean, there's just been so much just changed in our lives. And as, as we, we commemorate and think about, like, the anniversary of our first Sunday, the, this, is also, this will be the last Sunday that we only have two worship gatherings. That next, sun, next weekend, next week, we launch Monday night services. And, and we're doing that because we just realize, like, for so many people, weekends just don't work. And I'm sorry for those of you in the room who the church has made you feel guilty because you've had seasons in your life where you couldn't come to church on Sunday because you had to feed your family. 
or you had other things going on in your life that, that required that you couldn't be here. And for a long time, people kind of shamed us that if we couldn't come to church on Sunday, but I just remind you, like, like every day is a day of worship. Like Sunday is, is not just the only day that we, get to, that we should come together and we should offer God praise and we should study in his word and, he, and we should pray because you are a walking temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, like when Jesus died and the veil was torn, no longer would his spirit be contained to a building. So we, that's why we don't call this a sanctuary because it's not. It's an auditorium. You are the sanctuary. Your spirit and your soul is the house of God where he resides, where he is taking up residence. And so you walk with him and you talk with him every single day. Whew. And I'm excited because I feel like Monday is going to give us a chance to introduce some people to a community of faith to build relationships of support and strength that they need and to come and worship Jesus consistently and every time that we're on a cusp of a new season of the church God draws me back to a specific story it's in Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 so if you want to grab your Bible pull up the notes app the, the notes section on our app or however you want to access God's Word I love this story and God just continues to bring me back to it. I've preached it in this church multiple times, but God keeps drawing me back to it. And, and as I thought about this Sunday, and this Sunday being like a, a transition between where we are and where we're going to be next, and we're ushering ourselves into a next chapter, God brought me back to this story. And if, if you're not familiar with it, jo Joshua has now taken the reins of leadership of the nation of Israel from Moses. And he's leading the people from where they were. They were in captivity. They were in slavery in Egypt for all those years. And now they're headed towards the promised land that God said that they would inherit, that they would inhabit. And as they're on this journey, they're constantly having to overcome obstacles. Anybody else feel like you're, that's your life? That there's constantly, you move to a certain place in a season, then all of a sudden you bump up against a barrier. And there's something standing between where you are and where you know you need to be. Somebody testify. Come on, say amen. Like there's constantly these things in our lives where we're journeying with God and boom, we run up against something that seems insurmountable. Sometimes we create the obstacles or sometimes life just throws them in our way. And you can make a decision. Will you camp out and get stuck there or will you seek the God that can remove the barrier and push you forward? And so they're on the banks of this river and there comes a time when God's just like, all right, it's time to go. And what's crazy is um, now they're, again, this is not the first time that a body of water stood between them and where they were going to go. Remember when Moses was there, uh, there before the Red Sea and all that kind of stuff? Y'all with me? Say amen. Y'all have seen it. You've watched Prince of Egypt. You saw it happen. Uh, so they're on the banks of the Jordan, and it's come time for them to cross. And the crazy thing, the river's at flood stage at this point. And what ends up happening is, is the leaders, the, the, the people that, that are, are, are basically kind of leading this movement, gather up the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the big box that contained the law, the word of God that Moses had been given. And, and they go and they sit their feet in this river. And when they do, the river stops up somewhere way downstream. And all of a sudden now they have a clear path to travel over on dry land to the other side. And it's so amazing. Like, like God didn't do it the way he did it with Moses. Moses just stretched out his, his staff. And now I'm thinking I'm the leader's like, hey, um, you want us to go down into this raging rapid holding this box? Why can't you just be like Moses and just stretch out your little staffy thing, okay? But they cross over to the other side and they get one step closer to where God wanted them to be but something hit me once again reading this story 
Look at Joshua chapter 3. Pick up verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. Verse 2. After three days, a lot of cool things happen after three days. Come on. Y'all need to wake up. Need some coffee. After three days, the officer went through the camp, giving order to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about two cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. In other words, what he's saying is, all right, something's about to happen. God is about to move. And we're about to go in a direction that you have never been before. I have lived in that space for the last 10 years of my life. Where God is constantly calling me to something new. Calling me to some kind of change. And I don't know what kind of season you're in. But isn't that life? Just as soon as you kind of get this thing figured out, things change. Anybody? Come on. Like just as soon as you feel like, okay, okay, I, I, I get life now. I'm 40 years old. I'm starting to figure it out. Halfway to death and got it figured out. That's good. And then all of a sudden, boom, something shifts and something changes. And a new direction. Maybe some disaster happens in your life and now you've got to figure out like a new path. Like you've got to figure out how do you adjust in this life with that person no longer in it. Or how do you deal with it now that that dream is dead. Or, or like, like you have to figure out how to adjust. And the best thing that you can do is what they're telling them to do is when you see God move, follow him. Like, if you, if you really want to, to keep moving forward, wherever God, wherever he moves, you move. Just like that. Some of y'all get that. Like, where, wherever he moves, you move. But here's the thing. And what Joshua's about to say to him next is so important. Because if they don't do what Joshua is about to command them, they'll miss it. Look at verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Like, tomorrow, something really cool is about to happen. Tomorrow, God is going to do amazing things among you. But today, consecrate yourselves. Two words in that story that very rarely get noticed. We love the big miracle of the cross in the Jordan, the, all these different things, the priests going down into the raging river. But before the miracle happens, there's this call to consecrate yourselves. Consecrate, like, like get ready. And I think we undervalue, this is a word that we see a lot throughout the scripture where God calls his people to consecrate themselves. And it usually happens on the front end of something really cool that God wants to do or is about to do. Where he looks at his people and says, man, I'm about to blow your mind. I'm about to do something so cool in your midst. Like I'm about to do a really awesome thing among you. But before I do, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get ready. Because if you're not ready, there's a good chance you'll either miss it or even if you do happen to see it, when you receive it, you'll mismanage it. Like before you step into the land, I've promised you need to prepare. And so I think that's what God is calling us to do, is to prepare ourselves. He's calling us to get ready. 
Because as I stand on this platform today, I firmly believe that we are about to step into a season as a church like we have never experienced before. That God has ordained and wants to use this church in this community unlike we have ever experienced in the history of our church. That he wants to use his church, not just this church, but his church in general. I think God is so wanting to move through his church in this season, in our culture, in this time, like never before. I wish y'all believed it with me. Come on. Like I think he, and I think what, what God is saying is, like, there's something I really want to do. There's something I'm, I'm really about to do. But in order for you to be ready for it, you need to consecrate yourselves. Because, see, when God moves and amazing things happen and things begin to, to, to move in new and powerful ways, like sometimes God's people don't handle that very well. Sometimes churches don't handle that very well. Sometimes pastors don't handle that very well. That explosive growth happens or things happen and, and pastors let it go to their head. And they begin to think, that they're the ones that are somehow responsible for it, and they become the ones that completely screw it up very quickly. What I've always prayed is if God, if I'm ever the reason why this church can't be what you want it to be, take me out. Because this church is so much bigger than me. Every church is so much bigger than any one man, woman, or child. That we are the body of Christ and collectively we do something special. And now I believe in leadership and God has really been challenging me like, Matt, I put you in this position and I have ordained that you are the pastor of this church. And if you don't constantly, see consecration is not just a one-time act. It's something that daily we have to do to ourselves. Like we have to consecrate ourselves. We have to get ready. We have to continue to purify our hearts because motives can become selfish and we can become conceited and we can come become consumed and distracted and all these crazy things can happen in our lives. And what I want to just call our church to today, what I want to call our pastors, our elders, our partners, even if you're new to the, and maybe, maybe this doesn't apply to you as our church, but maybe you're on, personally, individually in a season of change where something's changing in your life, and you know like you, you felt like God is about, like you're ready for a breakthrough personally, maybe in your marriage or with your kids or in your career or whatever, and I would say, you know what? You want to experience the next, then consecrate now. Like what you do today will greatly impact how you receive and how well you are ready for what happens tomorrow. Come on, y'all got to get with me this morning, okay? So consecrate. So what does that look like? Consecration was this, in Scripture, it was this call to be holy and pure and set apart. But I've been praying, all right, God, for me, like, for me to consecrate, what happens when we really consecrate ourselves? And there's three things that, that I think can really happen when you consecrate yourself. Number one, you remove distraction. Like, you want to consecrate yourselves? Remove distraction. Remove those things that are keeping you from being able to focus your energy intently on God. We live in a culture that's so distracted. There's a whole generation that's going to spend their life like this. What happened? Cell phone neck. I don't know what happened. (laughs) 
Like you want to consecrate yourselves. You want to prepare today for what God has tomorrow. What in your life really just needs to go? Things that are taking your time and your energy and your focus. They really aren't necessary. They're not good and they're definitely not godly. The distractions that consume us. If you're going to consecrate yourself, it begins with, sorry God, what is really standing in the way? Of our relationship being all that it could be? What's standing in the way from me being in your word like I know I need to be in your word? What's, what's standing in the way from me being at church like I need to be? What's standing in the way of being connected in community like I need to be? Like what's stand, what is the distractions that are keeping me from being the spirit, most spiritually healthy I can be? And you start to remove distraction and draw into God, it refreshes your perspective. You begin to see the world in a different way. You begin to see God in places that you missed Him before. When you get a fresh perspective. Sometimes you, you're seeing things as negative that God wants you to see as positive. And if you would just allow Him to refresh your perspective and consecrate yourselves and see things in a new way. Things would begin to shift. Things would begin to change. I think it's also about renewing a commitment. Like every day, renewing that commitment to God. Reminding yourself that like He is most important and He is what matters and He is who you serve and He is who you honor and He is who you answer to and He is your God. Not all the other things that begin to dominate you. See, when you, this is what happens during a time of consecration where we get ourselves ready because see here's the thing I think like consecration is, is a spiritual awakening that's really what concentration a consecration does is it, it is awakens us to God once again to fully focus on him and you know we've all had those seasons we're like we've had these spiritual moments where God just wakes us up whether it be from a worship experience or we have something happen in our lives or we go through some kind of experience that, that reawakens us and, it re and we, we come out of that and for a, a small period of time we actually allow ourselves to be free of distraction and focused on God. We allow our perspective to be renewed and refreshed and we see Him for who He really is and we renew our commitment. But I'm talking about something sustained because if you don't, you'll miss it. Look at Romans. I love what Paul says to the to the Roman church in Romans 13 it says and do this understanding the present time the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed Paul saying it's time to wake up because if you don't you're gonna miss it that God is real and he is moving and he is doing amazing things among you and you're going to miss it. And see, this is what I'm afraid is happening because I look out at y'all every Sunday. There's a lot of people in here that you're awake. There's some people sitting here thinking, I really don't know what the big deal is. And that ain't got nothing to do with us. It's between you and God. There's some people in this room have been spiritually asleep for years. And God's saying, wake up. Stop going through the motions. Stop pretending like you and I have a relationship that we really don't have. I'm not impressed that you show up at that church every Sunday morning. I want to walk with you every day.
And I want to know you. I want to be your God. I want you, I want to be the thing you wake up and think about first thing in the morning. I want to be the one that your heart's desire is to please. Wake up. Wake up. Consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow. God will do amazing things among you. So how do we do it? How does consecration happen? Because it don't just happen. Like there's some intentional things that we have to do to consecrate ourselves. Josh went through and said, consecrate yourselves. Okay, we'll go back to eating our tacos. Like I think when Joshua put this call on them, I hope they responded. That each man and woman in that camp said, all right, let's go. Let's do what we got to do to consecrate ourselves, to get ourselves ready. I want to give you two things that are not profound, but I think are necessary, a necessary part of consecration. Number one is prayer. You want to consecrate yourselves? You've got to pray like you've never prayed before. And you know what? I think prayer is one of those things that most of us are not really good at. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about seeking God through prayer. I'm talking about having a constant conversation with God like you never have before. I'm not talking about bowing your head when you're in this room. I'm not talking about calling out to God because you're in trouble. I'm not talking about, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this food. Amen. Like there's some people in the room, if you didn't eat, you wouldn't pray. Come on. I'm talking to, you know, God intended. See, prayer is this, I, I said this a long time ago in a, a message I preached years ago, that the main objective of prayer is not answers, it's intimacy. God didn't give us prayer just for answers. God gave us prayer for intimacy. Like prayer is how you increase your intimacy with God. When you, have you ever sat down, married people, and had just a real conversation with your spouse? Y'all need to be here next three weeks, starting next Sunday, if the answer is no. <laughs> I'm talking about where you bear your soul and you're transparent and you talk in a way that gets beyond just how is your day to where you begin to really delve into the things that you're experiencing. And if, you, when, if you've never had one of those conversations, it increases the intimacy that you have with that person when you have the courage to have that conversation. Amen? Come on. And that's what God desires for us. And this is why Jesus said things like this in Matthew chapter 6. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do you see even just like this level of intimacy that's even implied in this verse? Like, like, like you and God, just go off by yourselves. Like just go off by yourselves, away from all the other stuff. And just spend time with your Father. So you can increase that intimacy with Him. 
that if consecration is going to happen, intimacy has to be a part of it. And prayer is this vehicle that God has given us to increase our intimacy. I've been praying scripture a lot lately. I believe you should pray the word of God. That you speak God's word over your family and over your community and over things. I love, I've been reading things like this in Ephesians 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Like, you see what Paul's praying? Paul's like, I'm praying that God will fix all your problems. I'm praying that you'll get that from, and I, I, I believe in praying for things. I believe in speaking things. Y'all with me? Come on. But also, like, prayer is, to, is for that intimacy, to get to know him on a deeper level. Paul says, the number one thing I'm praying for you, Church of Ephesus, believers in Ephesus, is that, that God will move in you in such a way that you know him more intimately. Because the deeper you know him, the more you'll begin to understand who he is in your life. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. You you want to consecrate yourself, you need to increase your intimacy with God. And the tool that he has given us to increase intimacy is prayer. How is your prayer life? Are you in constant conversation with your God? Or is prayer just a 911 line for you to hit, up, hit God up when you're in trouble? Are you living in constant communication with Him? I told you all ago that you're a temple of, like you're never outside of His presence. His ear is always bent to your voice. How's your prayer life? If we're going to consecrate ourselves to get ourselves ready for what God has next, we've got to ramp up the way we pray. We're not a praying church. Like we need to be. I've dreamed of walking here on Sunday mornings as the band is practicing in this room having more than one person in it praying over what would happen this day. People say, you know what, I'm going to get up an extra hour earlier to go touch the seats in that auditorium so that whoever sits in it will find Jesus because I've anointed through prayer. For years we've had one person that's felt led to do that. I'd love to see more people answer that call. Do you pray for your pastors? Because we need it. The attack that God's leaders are under right now, just in the last two weeks, I know of a pastor in California who took his own life. And several other incidents I've watched of churches in turmoil because their pastors have fallen. And I believe the prayer of the people is more needed now for pastors than ever before. Pray. Then the other thing I'm going to call you to do, you think I'm asking you to praise hard, oh Lord. The next thing, see prayer, prayer increases intimacy with God But fasting, fasting increases intensity for God. See, there's this biblical discipline in Scripture called fasting that I think most Christians 
never engage. If you look throughout Scripture, before almost every significant thing in the lives of any person, any biblical uh, superhero that we see in Scripture, they fasted. It always fasted, always preceded something powerful. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Before Jesus went through the testing of the devil in the wilderness, Jesus knew something was coming, and he spent 40 days fasting, preparing himself spiritually for what was next. Look in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them to each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. That when the church was being born and they were calling to raise up leaders, that these people would pray and fast as they led into making these important decisions. Go back into the Old Testament, Nehemiah, before he took on the challenge of rebuilding the wall around Israel, what seemed like an impossible task. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Just time and time. Look at Ezra again. Ezra proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey. Going to Judges, then all the Israelites, the whole army went up to Bethel and they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted as they were facing this army that should have destroyed them. Like all throughout scripture, before anything really significant happened and people consecrated themselves, they engaged in a fast. And Jesus just kind of pointed to that, not if we would fast, but that, look at Matthew 6, 16, when you fast. Matthew 6, 16, when you fast. Not, hey, if you ever have the courage to fast, but when you fast. Like knowing that, like, hey, what lies before you is going to be so difficult. Fasting is going to be a necessary thing for you to do in order to prepare yourselves spiritually for what I have. So if we're going to consecrate ourselves, if we're going to get ready for what God has next, we need to pray, but we need to fast. And I, I got a feeling there's probably a lot of people in the room, you've never even done that. Or maybe you're, you're still new to the faith and like you're, you're, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You're like, I'll run fast out of this room as soon as you quit preaching. <laughs> you want me to fast from food? Like, no, I, I do fast food. I don't fast from food. But to me, this is in its simplest form what fasting is. It's remove and redirect. Remove and redirect. That you remove something from your life and you redirect that energy toward pursuing God. That it's self-denial for spiritual gain. Most often in Scripture, it was, it was fasting from food. But, but for me, it's for fasting really to make a difference in your life, it's not just about removing something. It's like, well, I'm just going to skip. It's also not a diet. I fasted every day this week. I lost 10 pounds. Woo! It's not what it's about. Because, see, it's not just about removal. It's about redirection. That when we fast, when we remove something of, of, of necessary, necessary things in our lives. And it's not it's removing something that you're going to miss. Like, I'm, I'm going to fast from Brussels sprouts. Okay, whatever. Um, like, 
Fasting, removing something from your life that is, that is something that you're going to miss. Something, and that's why fasting from food was so in Scripture that, you know what, when you would fast from food and you would, you would feel those hunger pains grumbling in your stomach, that, that you would, it, those, those pains and that, that ache would remind you to press into God and to seek Him, that like there would be a, a physical reaction to a lack of food and such. Can you imagine Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and how depleted His body was and how every time His body would groan and ache and moan, it would remind him to press into God, to seek him more intensely than ever before so that we can experience something powerful. Fasting is this remove, remove and redirect, remove and redirect. And if we're going to experience God's power in this new way, if we're going to experience a consecration season to prepare us for what's next. We need to pray. But church, I'm going to call you. Will you fast? Maybe fasting is that thing you need for your next breakthrough. I want to ask you to consider something. Next Monday night, we begin a new season. And I believe in my heart the next Monday night, people are going to get saved in this room that wouldn't have found Jesus had we not had that experience. I'll never forget that when we went to two services and we went from having one gathering on, on Sunday morning to two, the, the, the very first Sunday we had our, our, our second gathering, we had very few people in it. It was like maybe 50 people. But after that service, a young lady walked up to me and said, yeah, last Sunday was my first Sunday at Vintage. And I was so bummed because I knew next, this, today I, I, I got to go to work and I was going to miss church and I loved it. And then you announced that you're having a second service. And so like I was able to come today and experience church. And now I, I, I'm, I'm going to work, but I just want you to know that today I accepted Jesus. I said, thank you, Lord. The first Sunday we were in this building, somebody walks up to me after our very first Sunday and they introduce it. Today's my first Sunday. I saw your sign when I was going to get some liquor from the ABC store. And I heard about this church, and today I gave my life to Jesus. I'm grateful that God continues to remind me that when we take next steps, He does amazing things. And I think as we head into this next season as a church, or maybe you're heading into a new season of life, and maybe the thing that you need to do right now to prepare is you need to pray like you've never prayed before, and maybe you need to to fast. I'm going to ask some people to do something in this room. Over the next, between now and next Monday, would you fast? I don't want you to tell me. I don't need to know. I'm just, that's between you and God, but I'm going to ask, would you fast for the next seven days, specifically in preparation for this launch of this third gathering, that God would use it for His glory and to build His kingdom. If you feel led, if God puts you on that heart to fast in preparation for what God has in our church next, or maybe, you know what, your fast is more personal, or maybe it's, it's got a double meaning, that you're fasting for the breakthroughs of your own personal life, and you're fasting for the next season of our church, but to remove something from your life, to redirect that energy to pursue God that I think fasting has power. Isaiah 58. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. (laughs) 
Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own and, and to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Like are you saying that this this is the kind of fasting I'm, I'm calling you to a kind of fast that's going to change the way you see this world. It's going to change the way that you approach this. So a kind of fasting is going to move you into new places spiritually and in new depths, and it's going to move the heart of God in such a way that what He unleashes in your life and in our church will be unlike anything we've ever seen before. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow he will do amazing things among you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Joshua's message is my message. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God's going to do amazing things among you. I don't know that that's a literal tomorrow, but it's a promise of God's movement in the future. To see what God has next, there's some things you need to do now. Maybe you've just been sleeping through life for far too long. Spiritually, you've been in a rut, and it's time to get unstuck. If that's going to happen I believe that prayer and fasting has great potential to push you forward, to challenge you, to draw into God, to increase your intimacy with Him and your intensity for Him. Is God calling you to spend some time fasting? Is God calling you to fast for our church over the next seven days as we prepare for a new season in the history of our movement? God calling you to fast for, for, for something that's very personal and real to your heart, to press into Him and pursue Him. See, I think what was, what was so powerful that called the, caused the nation of Israel to answer the call to consecration is because every time that had happened in their history, they had a history of it. Every time that they were called to consecrate themselves, it meant that God was about to do something amazing. And so the reminder of what He had done was enough for them to prepare for what he was about to do. So let's get ready. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's seek him. Father God, I pray that right now you would move among your people. That you would help every person in this room respond personally and individually to what they've heard today. You would call us to see you and seek you and move in our hearts. God, you've done amazing things in our lives, in the history of our church. And Father, we believe that what lies ahead is so much greater than what is behind. And we don't want to miss it. We don't want to sleep through it. Wake us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.